Yes, yes, yes. is back on the air, you motherfuckers. My name is Darian. I am back with another week of horror bullshit coming straight to your ear holes. It's another solo show, inmates. It's just me again. Sorry about that. I know you miss him. You miss Jason. You miss Buddy. I miss him, too. Um, It, uh, you know, Buddy's working, and Jason, I understand, is very sick. So... I mean, in more ways than we're used to. Him being sick, I think, is the, the operative term. I heard he's got the COVID, dude. Is anybody still worried about that? I'm not. I'm not worried about COVID. Tell him to come over anyway. Give it to me and my family. We don't care. Uh, he, on the other hand, is trying to be civic-minded and stay home and self-quarantine. Or at least that's what he's telling me. It could be something completely different. He could be having a massive rager over there right now, and he just didn't have the nerve to tell me that I wasn't invited, so he inv- invited, invented this whole COVID uh, thing. Um, I wonder where the rest of my friends are tonight. They're probably over there getting hammered with him, having a great time, having sex with each other and stuff. I'm over here doing a show. You know what? Fuck them. Fuck them anyway. I'll do, I'll do, I'd rather, I'd be, rather be with you guys, be honest with you, over there getting drunk, not having COVID for all I know. I don't know what they're up to. Uh, maybe next week, maybe not, I don't know. I got my special guest posse coming back later in the show. Um, I hope you're ready for that, because we're going to talk a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Also, quick announcement, I don't know if anybody's noticed or not, but we've uh, launched a little bit of a bonus thing over on the Patreon page. Uh, I put a little, a little simple sample out to, to tantalize and tantalize you. Uh, me and the kids are going through the Underworld series. I'm calling it Underworld Rise of the Deacons. Because that kind of makes sense in a fun way. <laughs> or maybe it's just corny. I don't know. You tell me. Anyway, it's uh, I dropped the first episode on you. The rest are going to be over at the Patreon feed. A uh, dollar. dollar a month gets you access to that shit. You're going to love it. They're already trying to figure out which franchise they want to walk through next. Um... I'm thinking probably. I'm thinking maybe Resident Evil, but I we we just did that like two years ago, and to be honest with you, I do not want to do it again. So uh, you know, it would be good. I think Paranormal Activity. How about that shit? Or is that too intense for them? I don't know. They just watch a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so if they can make it through that, I don't think they'll have a problem with Paranormal Activity. Uh, anyway, 
enough about that. We got a regular horror show to get into here, inmates. We got horror news, listener mail, all the usual razzmajazz. Let's kick things off with a little horror news. Horror news. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Looks like trailers are already up for Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Uh, I did not watch the trailers, but it looks good. I'm psyched for it. Can't wait for it to come out. I loved Afterlife. Did you guys like Afterlife? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I want to see... Uh, the originals come back again. The the you know Vakeman, uh Stance and Zetamore. I'm interested. This one looks like it takes place in New York City, so I'm interested where we're we're headed here. Um, I I think uh, you know just a little cameo there. Let's not get too involved. Those guys are older than shit. I'm sorry, but it is true. They are very old. Um, either way, I'm gonna check it out. I'm psyched for it now. You know, I loved Afterlife. Um, I'm I'm curious to see where we're going. It looks like uh, something they frozen, froze New York somehow. I don't know. I hope they bring back Vigo the Carpathian, because I always thought that dude was pretty fucking cool with his giant shoulder pads. Could have done with a bit, a bit, you know, something else besides the page boy haircut. That's a little silly, but that Carpathian body armor, that is a mean customer right there, boys. Uh, what else we got here? Looks like Netflix has, is, okay, so they're teasing this, but they've been teasing it for like three years now. They're talking about a standalone Fear Street movie. Fear Street, now that I think about it, might be a good franchise to walk the kids through. A lot of gay stuff going on there, though. I don't know if we need that in our lives. Uh, but Fear Street, a pretty good, uh, little trilogy there. If it's a standalone, I don't know what we're going to do. Does that mean it's not going to take place on the that uh, shady side and the bright side or whatever, the two sides of the town, whatever it was? I should rewatch those. They were pre- I, I thought they were pretty good myself. Um, I'll check it. I'll check it out. I like the Fear Street trilogy. Um, I don't think it ever got a physical release, though, did it? I know a guy that can... He does pretty good work with like the packaging and the. It's it, he's an Etsy guy, and that's pretty much what he does. Is he just rips off uh, uh, streaming video and then puts them on Blu-rays and then sells them to me for like ten bucks. But he does a really good job of making them look professional. That's how I got American Horror Story 1984 and American Horror Story uh, double feature on Blu-ray. I got my guy over there, and he's going to do New York as soon as uh, I don't know. I should probably email him or something, see what he's doing. Um, I have a question for you dudes, and I want you to answer me honestly, as honestly as you can. Are we as horror fans getting dumber? Don't answer, now that I think about it, I already know the answer. And uh, in case we forgot that we're getting dumber, Full Moon is releasing a movie entitled, and I quote, Bad CGI Gator, next month. So... That's the mo- that's the name of the movie, Bad CGI Gator. Uh, uh, inmates, I'm going to ask you to stand with me on this and not go to see Bad CGI Gator or stream it or just don't don't even look at it. Pretend it doesn't exist. Now, you know me. I'm not a big fan of the quote-unquote elevated horror. I don't like uh 
you know, watching some shit that has to be explained to me 45 minutes after it's over. But at the same time, don't insult my intelligence, dudes. Bad CGI gator. You're wasting my fucking time at this point. Why don't you just call it tits in a swamp? At least then I know what I'm getting into and I'll make sure to watch it when the kids are asleep or something. But bad CGI gator. All right, whatever, full moon. Uh, Is anybody, really, other than uh, Puppet Master 207, is anybody still watching anything that Full Moon does anymore? I'm not. I'm not watching anything by Trauma trauma either. Ah, Now now I'm I'm feeling negative about this whole thing. What else we got here? Uh, Evil Dead 2 is getting a limited edition VHS release. From Vice Press. Um, I'm into that, man. I like it. I'm not going to get it because I don't have a VCR. And even if I did, uh, I wouldn't ever watch it because I own it on Blu-ray. And it's a much sharper, cleaner image. And to be honest with you, I'm not much of I'm not much one for nostalgia. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's fine. I, like you, know, you got your Jason Harrells out there. Love VHS. Constantly trying to find new VCRs and thrift stores and all kinds of fun shit like that. If at, at at the point that you're invested to the level that he is, it's not so much a. Um, it's almost like a full time job, dude. You know, you gotta you gotta find the VCR. You gotta find one that works. You gotta tune it up once you get it, because older than shit, I'm sure. So you gotta get all clean all the dust and the crud out of there, and then you gotta dick around with the tracking. Why bother? Dude, I feel the same way about vinyl. You know what I'm saying? What You put the record on, you put the needle on the record, you get a bunch of static, and then you got to play Find My Favorite Song for 20 minutes trying to figure out which song you like. Dude, why? 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 We did not come to the year of our Lord 2023 to be greeted with all of the fun gadgets, streaming service, high-speed internet, and all the other shit that we have this, these days just to go back to watch a grainy-ass horror movie that we all know and love. I don't get it, man. If you're into it, go get it. I'm not a VHS guy. I was uh, up until, well, the VHS purge of 2008 when my wife said I had to get rid of all my VHS tapes. But by then, it was getting so hard to find a VCR that worked anyway. It was like, okay, I get it. But now I kind of lament it because some of those uh that i had i can't find on blu-ray and that's really starting to piss me off but that's neither here nor there anyway vice press vhs evil dead 2 uh i would hope they would do evil dead 1 and maybe army of darkness just to go with it because why do the sequel and not the original or the the follow-up that doesn't make a lot of sense to me i don't know uh lastly on the otter side is what it's called. It's a tabletop RPG role-playing game inspired by Neil Gaiman. It's already on Kickstarter if you're interested. I'm going to have to get on this and kick, help kickstart this one. I've given up on role-playing games. I'll be honest with you. And most of the goddamn board games I have because the fucking rule books to these things are the size of uh, Maxim magazines. But this one I think I'm going to have to get on. I was just kind of cruising through the images dude the artwork on this is bananas so i think i'm gonna have to get on this one um who knows maybe somewhere down the line i'll find a band of like-minded doofuses 
that are willing to play board games with me. I, I know what you're saying. You're saying to yourself, Darian, you already have a band of doofuses that play board games with you. Yeah, I know. But the problem is, is that I don't want to put the effort into figuring out how to play these board games. And I'm going to tell you, right, I'm going to be honest, if, if I did get, if, well, when I get this uh, role-playing game, I'm not going to have the, the, you know, the stamina to figure that fucking thing out. Role-playing games are even worse than board games, bros. Tabletop Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Jesus Christ, Vampire the Masquerade, um, Shadowrun, for Christ's sakes. What is that on? It's 95th edition at this point. All kinds of rule books, source books, maps, fucking shit. You got to buy a miniature. You want to Oh, fuck. Don't get me started on the miniatures. I'll take you right back to Warhammer 40,000 land where many a paycheck of mine has gone out the window and into the ether never to be seen again. And what do I have to show for it? A bunch of fucking army men. <laughs> That my kids play with until they smash into 50,000 pieces. All right. Enough about me. That's all I got on the horror news. How about a little listener mail here, amigos? Listener mail. Yes, sir. Let's see what we got this week. Mm, no emails this week, but we do have a voicemail or two. Uh, why don't we kick things off in beautiful downtown Anderson, Indiana. Here comes Coop Newcomb. Good evening, what guys. The fuck? What's Hi. up, Coop? Um, wanted to grab the uh, get my three on the meat hook out sure. there. I believe it was the, uh, the favorite horror villains. Yeah, what do you uh, think, man? If I remember, I could You are wrong. correct. No, you're right. So if I'm wrong, and I'm just going to throw three my favorite horror villains out there for okay. no reason. Um, the guys I like are the ones that torment okay. the, uh, the uh, protagonist. Um, so I, I really like, uh, I love uh, Pinhead. That's, That's my guy. That would be like my number one. Yeah, me too. Um, number two, Probably Jigsaw. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, God, number three. Oh, no, you guys recently talked about him. I forgot about this dude until... Rawhead uh, Rex. So you really uh, talked about him here recently. He huh. came up uh, <clears throat> in the Terror Dome was uh, Horace Pinker. Oh, yeah. So those are my three. Okay. I'll at you guys later. I'm into that. Um, I feel... Well, okay, so... Pinhead, I get. He's my number one guy, too. And the reason I always go straight to him is because he will actually, like, it, he, he kind of sells you on the idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like the used car salesman of horror villains. Like, hey, I'm going to kill you, but why don't you come on with me? Let's let's get this. Come on. We can we can have some fun with it before you die. Come on. When you're, come on. We're going to go check out this labyrinth. It's going to be great. Um. You take like a uh, like a Michael Myers or a Jason Voorhees. Let's face it. They're basically the same dude. They're going to kill you, sure, uh, but it's going to be over. Michael Myers is going to stab you in the chest and pin you to the the hall in your the wall in your hallway, but you're going to be dead and then that's that's that. Or he's just going to stab you in the back of the head. You won't even know he was behind you, you know? Uh, same thing with Jason Voorhees. He'll shoot you with a spear gun while you're swimming uh, or he'll uh, 
stab you with an arrow from underneath the bed right after you just got lucky, and then you're done, and then that's it. And uh, most of those people didn't even know they were they were getting killed or being watched by those guys. So, like, if I had to pick a horror villain to get killed by, probably one of those two. Um, but Pinhead will will make like a whole afternoon out of fucking around with you and uh that's gonna be terrible um thing about jigsaw you brought up jigsaw there cooper he always gives you an out you know it's not gonna be a pleasant one you want to get out of this you want to live through this fun little game i set up you gotta you gotta dig the key out from behind your eyeball it's gonna suck but you you could do it you could walk right out of here all you gotta do is dig that fucking key out you know uh, you want to not have your uh, head explode in a reverse bear trap? Okay, not a problem. You just got to dive through this pit of disgusting hypodermic needles. God damn it. That, that one, even just talking about that one gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, for that, I, I kind of feel like he's almost an anti-villain in a weird way. Because, you know, ultimately his goal is to help redeem you and make you realize the quality of your life and why it's a precious thing and why you should not be a fucking asshole but uh if you would rather not dig the uh, key out of your eye socket then go ahead sit there and have that thing spin around and crank your neck all the way around and spin you you know like a fucking water balloon or something um that's what i say dude horace pinker he's more of a bully i think i mean he'll kill you eventually but he's going to like insult your mother while he's doing it, which is a real shitty thing to do, man. And on top of that, he's like the family killer. So he'll kill you, your husband, your wife, your kids, your dog, kill them all. And then he goes back to uh, the, the, the lucrative business of television repair, which is, you know, it's enough to finance a, uh, a torture museum, apparently. Right on, Coop. Thanks for calling in, amigo. Uh, who else we got here? I believe it is... Fuck. Hold on. It is somebody that I know. It's uh, our main man in Alabama. Alan's in the house. What's up, Alan? Hey, what's up? Hope everybody's doing good. I um, think we're okay. I'm okay. Really enjoyed the segment with the kids last week. Oh, they're coming Enjoying back. Enjoying the Rise of the Deacons. That's coming uh, back, too. Terror Dome, Jimmy Sammy Kerr. Okay. Figured that. Meat hooks, horror villains. Yeah. I'm going to go number one, Leatherface. Yeah. Does that really happen? Uh, you know, yeah. That's something about Leatherface, the text chase all sticks with me. Okay. Number two, he's new, but I'm just digging his work. He's so friggin' mean, he's not funny. Okay. Art the Clown. Art the Clown. Number three, I'm going to go Michael Myers. Okay. Um, Mr. Darian, are you Dr. Sleep? You bet I am. Alan and, gets it. Alan gets uh, it every time. Immersion Therapy, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, my all-time favorite horror movie. I get that. What What can you say about me? that movie? You can smell. Uh, <laughs> that's all I got. Y'all have a good one. Bye. Oh, huh. I forgot Terror Dome, Sammy Kerr. Yeah, you Have got a good it. one. Bye. Beautiful. Thanks for calling in, Alan. You're a gentleman and a scholar, amigo. You already knew that, though. I'm going to lock you in for Sammy Kerr and the Terra Dome. Uh, I'm going to get the kids up here to talk a little Texas Chainsaw in a few minutes. Um, Art the Clown. He is rapidly becoming part of 
you know, he's 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 because he's basically becoming our next franchise guy, right? Uh, how many? I think he's been in four movies so far total. All Hallows Eve. He was not actually in All, All Hallows Eve two. Uh, then you have Terrifier, Terrifier two, uh, Terrifier th- what three isn't out yet, but I think they're still making it. But there was another movie that predated All Hallows Eve that he was in. I forget what the fuck it was called. It was like a weird student film. And uh, I don't know where you find it. I think it might be on the bonus features of All Hallows' Eve. It's like just a little 10, 15-minute thing where he just kind of pops up and uh, runs around for a minute. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, the fucking brutality of that motherfucker. And on top of that, I don't think we fully understand just what the hell art is. Other than just being a weird demonic clown individual, so uh, there's a lot of like fan theories running around about how you know he was just a fucking serial killer, and then uh, when um, Luvana Lux Luvana whatever the fuck her name is uh, cast him down to hell at the end of Terrifier Two, when he came back, then he was like a full on demon or something like that. I don't. It's never fully stated, but. It's out there somewhere if anybody wants to do the research. I suspect we might get some answers in this upcoming Terrifier 3. Um, but do you want answers? Do you want to know more about art? I don't think I, don't think I do. I think I kind of like him just being this bizarro psycho clown and not really... Uh, dude, you're going to... You want to kill that franchise quick? Make him uh, sympathetic somehow. Make him like the... Uh, the he was a victim of uh, I don't know a clown a mass shooting at a circus or some shit like that that okay yeah, that's then we st- no no we're done we're done after that all right that's all we got on the listener mail thank you very much Cooper and Alan you guys are amazing you already knew that uh, I guess it's time for me to go visit uh, Elvira right. that screamed the venomous seed of tormented desire grows to a nightmare of unspeakable horror. I must run this establishment with a firm pen. Everything seems very strange, madame. Five girls have disappeared in less than four months. We've never heard from any of these girls again. Five have died. Who will be the sixth? that screamed rated GP what the hell does GP mean I don't know I mean I know our GP sure but how do you rate a movie GP is it GP approved I hope so I don't know if you like this one or not um, it is the house that screamed inmates it's from 1970 it stars uh, Lily Palmer Christina Galbo and John Mulder Brown uh, written and directed by Narciso Ibanez Sarador. Got 6.8 stars on IMDb, which is remarkably high for Elvira's Movie Macabre. Speaking of which, it originally aired on Elvira's Movie Macabre October 10th, 1981, motherfuckers. This one is old. Um, 
by, I mean, like, just by uh, Elvira standards. Elvira. Uh, <laughs> what can I tell you about this one? We are in a all, well, I think we're like in the whoo, 1800s, early 19, late 18, early 1900s. We're in a French all-girls boarding school. And by French, I have to assume that we are um, somewhere actually in rural France, uh, despite the lack of French accents. Although the girls do refer to themselves as Mademoiselle all the time. So, you know, there is some some attempt at authenticity, which is very cool. Uh, Our story picks up with a young lady who is being brought to the school for the first time. We're going to meet her. Her name is Therese, or Therese, they call her. I don't know if that's French. I think it's French. I don't know. Um, Anyway, she gets dropped off. Apparently, she's from a very well-to-do family uh, because her butler actually drops her off. And she is going to be attending school here at um, the the French um, School of uh, Finer Young Ladies or whatever. It doesn't have a name, so there's that. Uh, she gets the her and her butler get the grand tour. Eventually, they decide to go ahead and enroll uh, Therese here at the French School for Girls. Um, now the first this is a full two hour movie. Actually, I think it's like an hour and fifty minutes. A good hour. The first hour of this is just nothing but uh, schoolgirl drama and a lot of uh, shit talking. You know, she's the new girl. She gets bullied a little bit. Um, it's it's that's it. And then it, not until after the hour mark uh, does the killing start. So if you're thinking about watching this, and I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't, I'm just saying that. But um, just get comfy and don't expect to get too scared at all. I feel like. Uh, they started making a movie, and then they they fucked around with it, and then like <laughs> round about the third or fourth week of shooting, they're like, ah, shit, we were supposed to make a horror movie, not a movie about uh, girls bullying and taking showers together, and we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, Therese gets the uh, the big tour. They decide to enroll her. Um, they uh, like they live they the girls sleep in like a girls dormitory slash squad bay kind of a situation there's like a big room and there's like 14 beds all lined up and all the girls sleep like in this big squad bay style room so good for them uh when Therese gets there she's easily the richest girl there so she just pops her suitcases open and all the girls start trying on the on her clothes what a bunch of grabby bitches man you know i didn't bring the hey that's my shit get stay the fuck out of it but she also brought a lot of lingerie which is weird for an all-girls school in the 1800s. I mean, maybe she's planning on getting her freak on. Maybe she was thinking that there'd be some dudes here also, in which case that would that would check out. But I don't know. She just has like a lot of clothes. And she's just giving the shit away to the girls. So she's becoming pretty popular. Um, while that's going on, we resume classes the next day. And uh, one of the girls decides that she's going to, like, do her nails instead of, like, actually pay attention in class. So she gets uh, reprimanded and sent to an isolation chamber where the headmistress comes and gives her, like, lashes with a, uh, a whip. And that's pretty gnarly. And, like, before they do that, like, this girl, her name is uh, 
Katarina, she's like the bad bitch of the school. So she is fucking like um, very confrontational with everybody, especially the uh, the teachers and the administrative staff there. So she's looking for the whip. You know, I think she kind of liked it actually, which is well, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, she takes the lashes and then she has to like convalesce in this isolated room for a while. Uh, very cool. Uh, while that's going on, uh, Therese is kind of settling in. She's learning the lay of the land, like who to talk to, who to hang with, what's going on with this chick and her friends and what's going on. Just getting, you know, settled in. Uh, she gets left for, um, like bed making duty which i guess is a thing there's no laundry we find out from uh the the chick that she gets left with that that there's a weird there's like a dude that comes by once a month to deliver firewood to the all-girls school now it's stated up front that the ladies in attendance at the all-girls school range pay attention now from the age 15 to 21 21 being the oldest Okay, you with me on this so far? Now, the guy that brings the firewood, he like brings it up. So they have like a little firewood shed off to the side of the building. He goes and stacks it all in there for him. And here's the here's the interesting part. Uh, one of the girls has to meet him down there to like let him in. And sometimes she'll help him move the firewood around. The girls draw lots, locks to see who is going to go meet him down there. And in case you haven't figured it out, inmates, whoever meet, gets to go meet the firewood guy, they, they fuck the firewood guy. So the firewood guy is quietly being pimped out to the girls at the boarding school who are wildly underage. Now, I'm not one to cast aspersions on our neighbors uh, across the, uh, the pond, the French, or uh, Narciso Ibanez for his writing abilities, but uh, I don't know who the victim is. <laughs> I don't know who the victim is in this uh, this little equation because the firewood guy. I feel like he he's like, does he want to have sex with underage girls or is he just there to do a job and get the fuck out of here? Somehow he got roped into the sex part, and now every every time he goes to deliver the firewood, he's got to bang one of these chicks. By the way, they are all. There's a scene, dude, that takes place here in a few minutes. Anyway, uh, that's what uh, Therese finds out from her bed-making uh, cohort. The uh, bed, I think her name was uh, ba, 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 Catherine. It's Kat, and it, she's all excited because it's her turn to go meet the firewood making the firewood delivery guy, and uh, she's gonna she's gonna fuck him in the fire shed. So she is like all ready. She's ready to go. I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but. Damn, girl, take it easy, will ya? And by the way, who knows how old the firewood making guy, the firewood guy is? Uh, we get to see this dude later. He looks like he could be, you know, I don't know, maybe mid thirties, mid to late thirties, something. Ah, is neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, interesting situation. From there, we. Um, well, while she's still making the bed with Catherine, Catherine fills her in on uh, the headmistress's son, who also lives on the premises, but is kept away from the girls for the most part. Now, his name is Lewis, and he actually has a girlfriend there that goes attends the school that uh, his mom doesn't know about. Her name is Isabel. So, 
uh, Lewis and Isabel periodically like sneak off to this boiler room area and basically make out. They're like 14, and uh, for all intents and purposes, this relationship seems fairly innocent and mundane. Uh, really, they just go in there and like, you know, tell each other how how hot they think they are, and then one or both of them gets nervous and then they leave. And that's how, that's been going on for months, apparently. So, uh, get it together, Lewis. You're gonna you're gonna have to show up with some condoms or something. I don't know. Okay, very cool. Um, so that's what's happening. Everybody's uh, get, you know, going through the lessons and writing. They have like a, a sewing workshop that they have to do. They also have music and dance that they have to do. They've got like a full day worth of girl studies. Um. That they have to, it's a busy, very busy situation for these chicks. So, um, the next day rolls around. This part is weird. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, that night rolls around and, uh, Isabel is getting ready to go to bed. She pulls her covers back and she sees that Lewis has left her a love letter and has attached the keys to, uh, the front gate. And there's a note that says, Hey, meet me out in the garden after lights out. You know, let's let's continue our makeout session in the garden, I guess. So she's all excited. She hides the keys real quick. Uh, cut to the garden after lights out. Isabel does like a, you know, escape from Alcatraz move. Takes the keys, gets down there, goes out in the garden. And son of a bitch, we cut to slasher mode. And somebody in a very ridiculous kill scene basically stabs Isabel to death and removes her body. Shit. Well, now we got a problem because... Uh, we know that there is a killer on the premises. So we cut to the next day. Isabel's gone. Everybody's freaking out. What happened to Isabel? Headmistress is like accusing people of things. She has the uh, handyman come and nail all the first floor windows shut, which I think is a fire hazard. I don't know if that's the best idea to do that, but that's what she has him do. Good for her. Um, she just kind of writes off the disappearance of Isabel as, you know, she just ran away because she's sick of me, you know, pushing her around and stuff, which is a fair assumption, I'd say. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's never stated, but I think it's kind of um, alluded to that the headmistress knew what was going on between Lewis and Isabel. So right off the bat, I think we're, suspo- we're supposed to suspect the headmistress of being the murderer. Which is a real possibility. You know, it could be. Uh, we get some weird scenes between uh, Lewis and his mom, too. Like, uh, at one point, like, Lewis is all distraught because Isabel left. He doesn't know what happened to her either. So he's like, oh, you know, I was. how come you don't let me be around any of the girls' mom? And she's like, these girls are trash. You need a, a woman more like your mom. And while she's having this conversation with him, mind you, Lewis at the time is probably 14. She is like, um, like got her, her arms, or like her hands around the back of his neck. And she's like, it's a very incestuous uh situate it's i mean it's not like they have sex or anything but it's definitely could be headed to that neighborhood with lewis and his mom it is wild and it is a little uncomfortable by today's standards all right anyway uh lewis is all worried about isabel isabel's gone we know that she's dead because we saw her get stabbed but they uh, the headmistress is just telling everybody that she ran away anybody is caught uh, running around after lights out they're going to be punished blah 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 very exciting, a little nervous. A uh, couple weeks go by. Lewis is uh, horny, a horny guy. 
<laughs> and he has discovered some weird, uh, like heating and steam ducts that go into the ladies' shower area. Good for him. Uh, the the it's time for the girls to take their weekly shower, but they do it wearing bed sheets, which is a very strange and, to be honest with you, highly erotic situation. And I may have unlocked a new kink watching these young ladies take showers in bed sheets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. They uh they have wrapped themselves up in like bed sheets and they go take a shower with the bed sheet on, like soap themselves over the bed sheets and wash their hair, and then they cycle in and out um, while Lewis is in the air conditioning duct watching them. But somehow he gets, like, stuck in there, and the steam is coming in, and he's like, ah, shit. He doesn't want to, like, scream for help or anything because his mom is downstairs uh, with the ladies in the shower, and if he gets busted, dude, he will wish that he had stayed in the heating duct or whatever it is. Uh, so he does the right thing. He keeps a level head, waits till all the chicks leave the shower, except for Teresa. And then he starts screaming for help. And then Teresa gets him out of there. And that starts the new love relationship, um, love affair between Lewis and Teresa. So they're now hot and bothered. And they're now meeting in that weird janitor closet and telling each other how hot they are. Very exciting. Very exciting stuff there, Lewis. That, that doesn't seem like a good gig to me, though. I don't think I'd want uh, to live in an all-girls boarding school. It sounds very horny, like you're going to happen upon some lesbian situations, but I don't think you will. I think you'll just realize that, you know, these chicks are gross, and they pick their noses, and, you know, I'd be willing to bet that there's going to be a lot of tampons flying around there. That, especially at that age range. Oh, God, forget it. All right. Um... So that's great. We got kind of like a, you know, a happy situation ship there with Lewis and Teresa. Everything's going pretty cool. Unfortunately, the bull, there's a, there's like the, there's Katarina who is like, um, the bad bitch of the crew and she is, um, you know, she is just defiant against the, the administration. But then we have another bad bitch. Her name's Irene and she is the headmistress's lapdog. She like, dimes everybody out whenever they do anything wrong and they make she gets the uh she gets the headmistress involved and she gets like special privileges and all that shit um irene goes up to Teresa one day and she's like hey i know and so does the headmistress we both know that you're fucking around with lewis in that janitor's closet you nasty skank i want to see you after class so Teresa's like ah shit we're busted so, uh, for some reason, Irene has Teresa meet her in the attic, and she tells her the headmistress is going to be there. So, Teresa's like, ah, shit, I got to go sort this out. Goes up to the attic and basically just gets bullied uh, for about five, ten minutes. But Irene's got, like, some, some hench, henchwomen, henchmen, skanks that, like, do, you know, follow her around and do her bidding and get spe- special privileges also. So, they get Teresa up there. And they strip her down. Uh, you don't really get to see much, but then they make her wear like uh, fucking burlesque clothes or something, like cabaret stuff. And then they like start making her sing because they found out that Teresa's mom is a famous singer. So they're making her sing, and Teresa's crying, and they're like, you "Fucking sing! Come on, come on, you fucker, sing better. You can sing better than that." And Teresa's crying. She's like feeling bullied and stuff. So she's like, "I don't want to do it. Leave me alone." Um, 
eventually the dinner bell rings and they have to let Teresa go, which they do. Uh, and Teresa is like, you know what, dude? No, no, no. I'm out of here. This is horse shit. I didn't sign up for this. Uh, I'm going to go find my rich and famous mom and uh, you ladies can go fuck yourselves. So fuck right off. So that night, Teresa plans her big escape and she goes and tells Lewis first because they have like this, you know, on, on again, off again, love situation. So she's like, Hey man, I'm gonna get up out of here. Uh, I'll think about you. Uh, so there's that. And Lewis is like, okay, well I'll see you around. I've got to go. You got to go smashes his piggy bank and gives her the 14 cents in there. What a, what a swell dude Lewis is, huh? He's trying to help her out. Uh, so she takes the, the 14 cents and she's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bust up out of here. Uh, she starts like feeling her way after lights out. Everybody's asleep. She starts feeling her way through the hallways in the dark and she accidentally hits like the doorbell, but she stops it before anybody wakes up. And it's, there's a pretty intense scene right here because things are getting creepy. And, uh, Irene like wakes up as Teresa's leaving the girl's dormitory and she's like, Ooh, where? She's going, I'm going to get her in some serious trouble now. So she starts following her around. She sees, I, she sees Teresa go out through one of the uh, dining room windows. And she follows. She starts following her out to the garden. But uh, she loses her in the garden. And then Teresa goes back inside and basically gets uh, stabbed in the neck. Because she, she, free, she, she knows somebody was following her through the garden. So she's like, fuck this shit. Going back inside where I'm kind of safe. Uh, goes in there. So you don't see who kills her, but somebody stabs her in the neck. Now, this was a bit of a thing because I didn't... I mean, Teresa has pretty much been our protagonist to this point. So I didn't see her getting killed. But uh, it happened. Kind of caught me off guard. Okay, so Teresa's now out of the equation, and that's two girlfriends that Lewis has lost since the uh, the start of the movie. Uh, cut to the next morning, Irene goes and sees the headmistress. She's like, hey, Teresa's gone. And she's like, yeah, I know, the fucking bitch, she ran away. And then Irene's like, no, 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 dude. She went out to, she escaped through the dining room window, I followed her. Then she went out to the garden, and there was somebody else following her besides me. Uh, she got wise to whoever that was, came back inside, and I'm pretty sure I saw her get stabbed in the neck, too, so she probably look into that, and she's like, the headmistress is like, no, 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 there's no body, there's no blood, everything's cool, she just ran away, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a letter in a couple weeks saying she went back to her parents, or maybe we'll reach out to her parents later, I don't know, you don't worry about it, and Irene's like, no, 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 I know what I fucking saw, people are getting hurt, and, uh, you know, I'm not down with this. So that now we have a little adversarial conflict between the headmistress and Irene, who was her number one lackey. Uh, eventually, Irene turns in her keys and she's like, no, lady, no, I'm, I, I'm not going to help you cover this up. I know what I saw. Uh, this is creepy as shit. I don't want to be your lackey anymore. So I'll just do my time. And I also, I would like to leave here because I don't feel safe. So uh, fuck that also. And the headmistress is like, well, you ain't leaving, bitch. So give me your keys, get your ass back to class, and uh, yeah, fuck right off. So then we get a cool like little subtext of Irene quietly leading like a snarky rebellion amongst the other girls, where like uh, the headmistress comes in and tries to pull the uh, the hard ass routine on him, and Irene just stares like stares the headmistress down, and then the headmistress gets all oh. 
well, hey, easy. And like all the other girls just start staring her down. And the headmistress gets all freaked out and runs out of the room. So now we're kind of, we're going back and forth with between Irene and the headmistress. So um, cut to a couple nights later, the headmistress is really all up in her head about this. She's like, oh, fuck. You know what? Uh, I don't, I don't, I got to get to the, I can't go on like this. Lights lights go out, and the headmistress is like, hey, she tells one of her uh, secretaries, she's like, hey, go wake Irene up and tell her to come down here and see me, because we need to uh, come to some kind of accord here. This is, this is, get, this is not healthy. So uh, the administrator chick goes up to the dormitory, wakes Irene up. She's like, hey, go see the, the headmistress, and she's in her office. Okay, cool. She's like, fine, I'll do it, but I'm putting my full dress on mind you this is the 1800 so it was like one of those button-up dresses that goes all the way to the bottom of your chin i don't understand how that was ever comfortable or attractive to anybody but whatever uh she puts her shoes on and she goes clopping down the stairs she's like all right uh, she gets like that this is, mind you this is a big uh a big house a big school she goes clopping down the stairs uh somebody is following her down the stairs the headmistress is in her office waiting for her to show up. Uh, Irene gets all freaked out because she thinks she's being followed. So she hangs like a left instead of going, hanging a right to the headmistress's office. And now there's somebody like running after her, chasing her throughout the house. Uh, we get a cool little cat and mouse game. Eventually the headmistress comes out and she's like, hey, where the fuck is Irene? And then she sees some people running around upstairs. So she goes up there. She's like, Irene, get down here. I want to talk to you. This whole cat and mouse thing goes on. It's a very old, dark house. Like, the headmistress is trying not to wake anybody else up. Uh, Irene is trying to stay hidden from whoever is chasing her. Eventually, the whole the, Irene runs up in the attic. And then the headmistress comes along, like, uh, five, ten minutes later, sees the attic, stares her down. She's like, all right. I don't know what the fuck game we're playing here, but I got to get to the bottom of this. So she goes up there, son of a bitch, if she doesn't find Irene's dead body. So whoever was chasing her obviously either was up there waiting for her or caught her or something. I don't know. But she goes up there. She finds Irene's dead body. She's like, oh, shit. Now, Irene is dead and her hands have been cut off. And I think she was also stabbed in the neck was the official cause of death. So the headmistress is like, oh, fuck, man. I got a dead girl in the attic. Somebody gets murder. I got now. I got to call the the fucking French police, whatever those guys are called. And uh, this is going to be a scandal. Uh, I'm going to have to write a letter to her parents. They're going to be all kinds of pissed off. Uh, this is just a big headache. I don't fucking need. So she's like, oh shit. Uh, then somebody walks up behind her and taps her on the shoulder, and it's Lewis, her 14 year old son. Lewis, what the hell are you doing here? She's like, oh, come here, mommy. Come here. Come come with me. Let me show you something. He's like, no, don't don't come over here. It's a dead girl. He's like, yeah, I know. Takes her in like a side room in the attic. And this is where we find all the bodies of all the girls he's killed. Uh, we're up. He, we've seen him kill three girls. He's, his total, though, is like six or seven because there's bodies all over the place. Basically, what this motherfucker has been doing is killing the girls and partsing them out, and that he has now stitched together a Frankenstein-type situation of 
all the dead girl's favorite parts of his. And he's like, look, mommy, I made her just like you. She's got uh, Isabel's hair that looks kind of like yours. I just took Irene's hands because she's got hands kind of like you. And uh, yeah, so now I just need you to teach this dead body how to treat, uh, how you would treat me. So yeah, uh, you make nice. And then he locks his mom in there with this dead body. It's not like a real reanimated corpse. It's just a, a dead body that's been uh, patchworked together is what it is. So there's that. And, um, that's, that's pretty much into your movie. So basically Lewis has been killing his girlfriends to include Teresa, Isabel, and Irene, who was never his girlfriend, but I guess he had a, had a liking to, and two other chicks, two or three other chicks down the road before the movie started and, uh, chopping them up and then stitching them together to make this, uh, corpse and Stein young lady that, uh, does not reanimate and he has no idea how to reanimate a corpse. So that's, it's just basically a sex, a very stinky, decrepit, decaying sex doll is what he made. And now he locked his mom in that chamber so that she can coach up the sex doll on how to treat a 14 year old Lewis, I guess. I realize how this sounds, but that is the fucking movie. Okay. Don't judge me. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what I saw. Um, and not a bad show, to be honest with you. More of a murder mystery. Uh, the ending is a bit macabre, so there's that. Uh, th- it was never actually stated that he had sex with this corpse, but I think we can do the math on that. Why, 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 Lewis? You've had numerous girlfriends who clearly wanted to have sex with you in that janitor's closet. Um, why not just go that route? That seems like it, it makes much more sense to me than... Uh, you know, killing them and chopping them up. But what the fuck do I know? I don't know. Uh, that was The House That Screamed. This one is streaming on Peacock in the um, series of Elvira's movie Macabre. Elvira, of course, comes in with her share of dad jokes periodically throughout the movie. Very cool. Uh, very Makes it a little easier to swallow. It, this is actually not a bad show, all things considered. Um I I did not know who the killer was. I'll I'll be honest with you. I thought for sure it was going to be either Irene or the headmistress, just because they were the two biggest bitch bags in the school. It felt like. So there's that. Um, I spoiled it for you. You already know who the killer is, but it's still not a bad show if you're interested. Uh, check it out. Streaming on Peacock if you're interested in mates. I'm gonna take myself a little break. Come back with a meat hook and such.
If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back, inmates. Ooh, yeah. That's right. Macho Man Randy Savage coming back at you. I don't know why I did that. Uh, right on, dudes. Uh, yeah. Elvira's movie, Macabre. Uh, the movies thus far have not been that great. But um, we're going to get deeper. We're going to go deeper down the rabbit hole of Elvira's movie, Macabre. We're going to learn more. And uh, hopefully we'll find a diamond in the rough here somewhere. Or in the muff. Maybe there'll be a diamond in the muff. <laughs> All right, how about uh, a little meat hook action? Three on a meat hook. This week's meat hook in honor of Elvira. Top three female characters in horror. Now, I know what you're thinking. You think, Darian, we just did Survivor Girls a couple weeks ago. You're right, we did. But I'm talking about any female character in a horror movie. Your top three favorites. Uh, My number three is going to be... um, uh, an interesting character. Uh, she didn't make it all the way through the movie, but uh, she did. Uh, 
she she got killed in a very cool way, I would say. I'm talking about Taryn from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Uh, she's the one that produced the two switchblades and the wild haircut when she entered the Dreamverse. Remember that? It was like a mohawk thing, but it started on the back of the head and shot around to the front like a shark fin. That was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, bad bitch. Unfortunately, a bit of a drug addict. And when Freddy zeroed in on that, he knew just how to take her down. And he did just that with syringe fingers, which is pretty gnarly, right? What the fuck was, what did he shoot her up with, I wonder? It was like a green fluid. Um, I don't want it. That's, that's not a, that's not a drug that I'll be experimenting with, whatever it was. Might have been Drano or, uh, dish soap or something. And then she had like the little sucking mouths going up her arms. Ugh! Get out of here with that. That's gross. That's my number three. My number two, a much stronger character, also did not see the end of her movie, unfortunately. But she did kick some major ass uh, in the time that she was in the movie. I'm talking about Lance Corporal Vasquez from uh, Aliens, uh, played by Jeanette Goldstein, who you'll also remember from Near Dark. Um, she played Diamondback. N- not not nearly. She, she made a much better colonial marine than she did a vampire, I would say. Uh tough character she knew how to fucking work a smart gun man right that 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 hip mounted cannon that they had with the eyepiece any woman that can rock a smart gun is a-okay in my book and she had a pretty a pretty nice little body on her we got to see a lot of her running around in a uh, tank top um and uh yeah that that movie really is much better like it, it holds up today. I would say, uh, maybe I could talk the kids into doing the aliens movies. Um, how many of those are there? Well, you got alien aliens, alien three, the prison thing, alien resurrection, uh, with Winona Ryder. Wasn't that good, but it was, yeah, it was all right, I guess. Uh, and then we can, there's a whole, uh, Prometheus thing. I don't know if I want to get into all that though. I'll, I'll see what I can work out with that one. Uh, my number two, Lance Corporal Vasquez. Again, I, I wouldn't call either of those two, Taryn or Vasquez, survivor girls, because neither one of them made it to the end of the movie. So they didn't, they didn't, they, they weren't survivor girls. So my number one is, uh, somebody that you're probably not expecting, or maybe you are. I don't know. It's a very special situation when we see the turning point where the victim becomes the villain. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about Amanda Young from uh, the Saw franchise. She appeared in one, two, at least three of them, possibly more, um, off the top of my head. Love Amanda Young. Very sympathetic character uh, to start with. She played the droid. She was the first survivor of one of Jigsaw's games, and then she came back to be a protege. And then... She started fucking around, making her own. After John Kramer died, she kind of took control of some of the games. But then that did, it was a whole thing. But her the the story arc of Amanda Young, going from victim to a, a survivor. I guess I guess you could call her a survivor girl, right? Because in she was in Saw One, 
uh, it was more of a backstory type of a situation, but she did survive the reverse bear trap and uh, cut the key out of the dead guy, which t- t- takes a set of balls. And so it's something that's only a survivor girl could do. You know what I'm saying? So I guess in that degree, but moving past it, she became the villain. But then we have to draw the moral line of whether or not uh, John Kramer was a villain or whether or not he was trying to help people. That That's a moral gray area I don't want to get into. I suspect uh, that's that's a fist fight waiting to happen for some people out there. So I'm not going to touch that one. Um, I will say that I like the... the uh, the, the the hero's journey, for lack of a better term, of Amanda Young and where she went. And uh, I understand that she's in Saw 10. I have not seen that one yet, but I look forward to it. I heard good things. That's my three top, uh, three top female characters in horror. Number one, Amanda Young from Saw. Number two, Lance Corporal Vasquez from Aliens. Number three, Taryn from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Uh, let me know what your top three women in horror are. And it could be, you know, whoever, dude. Don't don't let me limit you. You want to go with Elvira? Go with Elvira. Uh, her movies aren't that great. By uh, what? Uh, Haunted Hills and uh, the other one where she inherits a movie theater. That is that Haunted Hills. She's got a couple of them. They're not that great. They're mostly comedies. Um, let me know. It could be Elvira if you want. <coughs> Area code 775-387-0275 is the mental health hotline. Or just go to paddedroompodcast.com, click the meat, the meat hook link, uh, click the contact us link if you want to drop an email. Let me know what you think of the show. You know, you got some questions for me? Uh, you you, you want to do some things with my pictures like Tony does? Go ahead. I don't care. As long as I get to see them, I'm fine with it. Uh, in the meantime... I think it's time for a uh, Terradome matchup, my friends. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. To the Terradome. First, last week's winner. Singles competition. We had Sammy Kerr from Trick or Treat versus Albrun from Hagazusa. The quiet house on the corner exploded with sound and light. Heavy guitar riffs reverberated from the ground floor windows before they shattered. Lights flickered and sparks flew as the old woman stumbled onto the front lawn, blood pouring from her ears. With a vote of 6-0, to zero, Sammy Kerr advances over Albrun, 
mainly because I don't think anybody knows who Albrun is or has seen Hagazusa. And if you have, good on you. That's a rough ending. And if you haven't, maybe, maybe, uh, well, you really got to know what you're getting into. I'll leave it at that. Uh, let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? Uh, we are now in the Inferno Conference, round nine. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not much of a writer, and this one was hard. The Hunters had become the Hunted. Valak was creating more vampires and using them as pawns and bait to lure out the lure Jack out of hiding. What started as a simple sweep and clear for Jack and his crew had become a full-fledged fight for survival. In the ghost town of Del Rey, Jack makes his final stand. He knows that Valak's nest is under the old church, and if Jack and what's left of his hunters can strike in the daylight hours, they can wipe the vampires out in one afternoon. On the doorstep of the church, one of the team makes a mysterious find, a children's pop-up book entitled The Babadook. The shadows inside the church begin to fluctuate and take shape as the team descends into the catacombs. Then the knocking is heard, followed by an eerie Baba Duke Duke Duke. Singles competition, we have Valak the Vampire versus the Baba Duke. I gotta go with the Vampire on this one. I'm not a big fan of the Baba Duke. Mind you, he's just a coat in a hat. And that's about, he scares the shit out of a uh, autistic kid and pisses off her mom pretty good. Now, talk, say what you will about elevated horror and what the metaphor is that I know, I'm sure we're all well aware of at this point. It's, uh, I gotta be honest with you guys. Once you've seen it, it's not that good. You watch it a second time and you're like, this kid's fucking annoying. I feel bad for the mom. Really, just fucking get out of here. You know what I mean? Just shut the fuck up. If everybody would just shut the fuck up, I think we could figure this out. But instead, we're yelling and screaming and causing scenes all over the place. All right. That's your Terra Dome matchup for the week. It is Valak, the vampire from Vampires, versus the Babadook. Again, mental health hotline, area code 775-387-0275. Or you get me on the email. Um, just go to paddedroompodcast.com. Click the Terra Dome link. Do it that way, too, if you like. In the meantime, I think it's time for me to tell you what movies I got to watch this week in a little segment called, What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? I got a few things in. How about uh, The Haunting of the Queen Mary? This one's not very... Well, I'm going to say I'm not mad at it, but it's not very good. Um, for those of you who don't know me very well, I don't have much of a, a middle ground. I either hate it to the point where I'm offended by it, or it's fine. <laughs> and I'm going to say that The Haunting of the Queen Mary is fine. Um it's got some interesting things going on with the flashback sequences. If you want to see a slightly better version of this, watch a movie called Triangle from uh, 2006, I believe, starring Melissa George and her overbite. Um, it's basically the exact same movie. It's just one of them, uh, they're adrift at sea, and the other one, the boat is docked. And that's, that's about all there is to it. 
So it's there's some cool things with the special effects. And like I said, some of the flashback sequences are pretty cool. Um, all in all, I would say that it's fine. If it's uh, I rented it on Amazon Prime. I think I paid three bucks for it. Don't 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 spend any money on this one. Wait till it hits a Netflix or something, someplace you can watch it. You know, without having to kick in the extra four or five bucks. It, it if you got nothing better to do and you're in the mo in the mood for uh, ghosts on a boat, then this might be a good one for you. If you can't find Ghost Ship anywhere or uh, Triangle. Um, yeah, whatever, dude. I watched that, and I also watched Underworld for 2003. Uh, this is part of my new side project that I'm launching with my kids, Underworld Rise of the Deacons. Uh, expect a new episode of that coming out, uh, next, next weekend, probably, maybe next Monday, I don't know. Um, it holds up. I think it holds up. Some of the CGI is a little wacky, watching it now. But all in all, the story is there. Um... You gotta, you gotta pick a side on that one. And, uh, I think we start off, as I kind of talked about on Rise of the Deacons, we kind of start off rooting for the vampires, but we very quickly realize that they're the problem. So after that, we're on Team Werewolf. It's okay, though, as the franchise goes on, the werewolves will become the problem, and we'll be back on Team Vampire. And, uh, somehow, poor, uh, Michael Corvin got thrown in the middle of this horse shit. And got injected with a bunch of crap, and it ends up as this weird black devil thing. So, hope I didn't ruin that for you. <laughs> uh, we'll be we'll be coming back at you next week with Underworld Awakening. So get get your your pants on for that. Uh, speaking of Underworld and Rising Deacons, it's time for me to go grab my co-hosts. Immersion therapy. Yeah, buddy. What did you two guys think of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I thought it was pretty good. It had a lot of massacre. Had a lot of massacre? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Did you think it was scary? No. No, you're not scared of Leatherface? Me either. You either? Okay. Um, well, at this point, probably not, right? You've no. played him 100,000 times on Dead by Daylight. Yeah. And we have the board game. Yeah. And Daddy's got like 52 shirts with his face on it. <laughs> so. But, huh? but also, that doesn't make really sense. Like, if it's like. What doesn't make sense, babe? Like, why would they. Make her hair straight and then curly. Oh, you're talking about the stuntman thing that we found. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, so what Daphne is talking about, there's a scene right before <coughs> she jumps out Sally Hardesty jumps out the window and makes her escape. Now, if you watch this scene closely, and I made sure to point this out to my, my kids here, um, Sally is bent over the bucket and Grandpa is hitting her with a hammer. And then she breaks free of nubbins and goes running across the hallway to the second floor window. And right before she jumps out, the camera cuts to a scene of her leaping through the window. In that instant, you can tell it's a stuntman because her hair is very straight and flowing. And then it turns to curly. And it turns to curly right before she hits the window. And then then you see 
the stuntman hit the ground, and then when she pops her head back up, her hair is straight again. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make, sense. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's just a little movie faux pas that I, yeah. I pointed out to you guys because I've seen that movie so But why is the grandpa, times. like, why is he all white and, like... he's half dead, half not. I would say he's just very, very, very old. And it, eating people is not a healthy yeah. choice no. of cuisine. <laughs> I would say eating regular food like a human being would be fine. Eat like a vegetable from time to time. Just yeah. not not just hitchhikers all the time. No. You know what I mean? Um, so here's a little fun fact for you. It says at the beginning of the movie that uh, it's a true story, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. It's based uh-huh. on a true story. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. you, th- you can put that tag on just about anything. Like... Uh, a girl got kidnapped somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That inspired me to write a movie about a flying bicycle. <laughs> that that was... has nothing to do with the girl getting kidnapped, but it was based on the girl getting kidnapped. Yeah, Wait, that doesn't what, make any what sense. What was the movie based on? The movie was based yes. on, on a guy in Wisconsin that used to dig up dead bodies and uh, make fun things out of out of them. Really? Yeah. That that part actually did happen. And he actually did t- did kill two women. But that was like back in the 19... 19- huh? Nothing. <laughs> that was like back in the 1960s. That guy's passed yeah. away long since. Yeah, but how did they make him all white? Are you talking about Grandpa? Yeah, like that, how did they make him white in the they, movie? They just put paint on. That's just special effects, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's just makeup and uh, different applications. They probably just put like a dummy, like a test dummy. Like no, it was a real guy. It was an actor oh. that, that played him. I mean, because he does move around. He was in bit. there for like, we saw him once when Sally went up there in upstairs. Right. And then we saw him eating dinner and bash his head yeah well sort of attempting to hit her in the head with a hammer yeah so the tech the 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 lore behind the the texas chainsaw massacre that family that we saw there they are the sawyer family um what does the sawyer family mean so that's their last name they're the Uh, like we're the brocks they're the sawyers um they are they come from a long line of cattle workers and uh basically basically they're cannibals they eat people like, never mind. Yes. <laughs> um, there's a movie, uh, a direct sequel to this called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. That one is very silly, and I feel like it's more of a comedy. Um, Drayton Sawyer, who played the cook, Bubba, and Bubba come back, Leatherface. Uh, Nubbins, dead, but Nubbins was the hitchhiker. He was the person that went in the car, like, was... Needed a ride. Yeah, that took their picture and blew it up in the tinfoil. He he cuts. Yeah, he cuts his hand. Yeah. Uh, He got ran over at the end and killed. Yeah, yeah. But his dead body shows up in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Uh-huh. So there's that. That does not make any sense. What part doesn't make sense, Daphne? Because why would they put the end in the middle of the second movie? What the heck are you talking about? Like, I think she's trying to say, why would you put a dead body in a movie? Oh, oh, they have a lot of fun with his dead body. No, we mean like... (laughs) What do you mean? They do some some shucking and jiving with dead nubbins. But why would you... Oh, he's... Why would you... They basically use him as an oversized action figure. (laughs) I know. Like I said, it's more of a comedy. I I don't understand it. 
But what's oh, your question, Daph? But also, why would they put the end of the movie right in the in the second movie that they're making? Why are what? How how did you arrive at that conclusion? She's, she's trying to say that. Why is Dead Nubbins in the second movie? Yeah, why? instead of why? in the first movie. What well, he dies at the end of the first movie. That doesn't make any sense. It does, you crazy. <laughs> For some reason, it doesn't make sense. Why do you think it does, you crazy girl? She's trying to say that. Huh. Why? Yeah, please translate Daphne's for me. Because I, I don't understand what she's talking about, Deke. You uh, said Japanese. Daphne's. <laughs> Sounded like uh, she's trying to say, like, why why would you put the end, like, what, like if I was writing a story. Okay. And the end of it, she's trying to say, why would I put the end of it in the middle of my next story? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So, it's funny you bring that up, because that actually happens quite a bit. <laughs> uh, if, if, we ever, if we ever get really adventurous and decide to visit the Evil Dead franchise, oh. that's pretty much what happens in Evil Dead 2. Two? Yes. Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2. And then uh, something. There's a movie called Trick or Treat. And, and uh, it's not Trick or Treat? It's not Trick or Treat. It's Trick or Treat. Wow. Trick or Treat? Yeah. Trick, the letter R, Treat. Um, and that is a ve- it can be a very confusing movie because there's like four different stories happening and they all kind of bob and weave in and out of each other. But that's a story for a whole other podcast. Like- like uh, yeah, huh? Uh, underworld, like the the three uh, vampire um empire. Uh, yes, but much more complicated than like, that. Like yeah, yes. Uh, right on. So all in all, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, thumbs up, thumbs down. I think it was a thumbs up. Thumbs up from Didi. But it wasn't really scary, but I say it was a thumbs up. A thumbs up? But it doesn't really make any sense when she jumps out the window and her hair is curly. Well, that was just one part, and I already explained it to you. I know. If you would just listen to me for five seconds, Daphne, <laughs> maybe you would understand something. <laughs> look at your freaking cute. <laughs> All right, Deacon. What movie would you like to watch oh for God. next week's Immersion uh, Therapy? Uh, Can we do movies? So what will it be there, Didi, for next week? The Lost Boys. You want to check out The Lost Boys? Yeah. All right, inmates. Let me find out where that is streaming. There it is, inmate. Check out The Lost Boys. I know you've seen it, but you might have some commentary on it. It is streaming presently on HBO Max or Prime Video. Uh, We will do the same and come back next week to get Deacon and Daphne's thoughts on the Lost Boys. Didn't we already watch this? Yeah. For one of our, this was one of our backyard uh, drive-in yeah. screenings. Yeah. You just want to watch it again? Yeah. I'm into it. I don't really are, care. It's like Texas Chainsaw. I like the we heck already, out of that movie. We already seen it, and now we're like rewatching it just to watch. Just because it. it's a good show, yeah. we want to watch it again. It is kind of like it, just not kind with like scary. Not it's, that it's more of a kids movie, but yeah. good. those are some cool vampires right there, dudes. Yeah. Wait, they the got, vampires? They got motorcycles. Yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. They're like hanging under train track bridges. They're under, yeah. they're under like, it, there's like this tiny island. Okay, we'll talk about it next under week. Under a bridge. Yeah. We'll and just, then it's like they're hiding. You're spoiling yeah. the show there. You're spoiling it. All right, spoil, join spoil, us next spoil. week for The Lost Boys. But now, it is time to educate me. Yeah.
Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. I have a unique skill set. Uh, I had a very traumatic childhood, uh, especially at one place in Colorado, um, which led me to alcoholism, which led me to all kinds of other issues. But now I'm back on the right track, sober, and trying to help this little girl deal with a bunch of fucking weirdos that are kind of stalking her around. And uh, hopefully me and her can figure this out. I'm gonna ha- What I'm going to do is I'm going to lure them back into the past where my traumatic events took place, and I'm going to let that place deal with them. I am, of course, Dr. Sleep, as Alan alluded to. Great show. I think the, uh, I think the movie is better than the book. I, I'm in love with the Overlook Hotel. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the idea that it's still standing out there, just boarded up and left to rot, furnishing still in place, full of the ghosts of dead whoever, and all that just creepy out there in the fucking hills. I like that. That's cool. It's much better than what, well, for me, it's better than what Stephen King did, which basically he just turned it into a trailer park in the book, but that's neither here nor there. Who might I be, you ask this week? Well, I used to work for a very silly, uh, cheeky, organized crime figure. I quit because I was sick of that, and uh, there wasn't much he could do about it. But then I found out I had a daughter, and now the son of a bitch is poking around, and uh, I'll be damned if he didn't take my daughter to try to get me to go back to work for him. Luckily... Um, number one, I don't really care that much about my daughter, so there's that. Number two, um, there's really nothing he can do to hurt me, uh, so this is all just really a mild inconvenience for me is what it boils down to. Really weird guys that he's got working for him, too. Who might I be, you ask? Tune in next week, and I will drop some knowledge on you inmates. In the meantime, thank you very much for joining me. I know this is a little bit of a shorter show, um... Tune in next week for The Devil's Wedding Night here in Elvira Appreciation Month in the Padded Room. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe wherever you found this show. That helps our visibility quite a bit. We also have a Patreon campaign running. New Patreon content going up. My kids are up my butt about watching the Underworld movies, so rest assured those are going to come out every goddamn week whether I feel like watching them or not and whether or not I feel like recording a show because they are not going to let me not do that so there is that (laughs) uh one dollar tier one dollar a month will get you access to uh underworld rise of the deacons in the meantime I think that's about it for me this week so again thank you for joining me for buddy in absentia jason harrell in absentia Haunted hotels, whether they're still standing or not. Um, creep Creeps in Winnebago's that apparently tour the country preying on kids. Uh, French girls boarding schools and the weird drama that seems to follow them around. Uh, nasty S&M situations with the headmistress and the Padded Room podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over. Dance with the heat